New ringtone. I want. Here we go. Here we go. I love that. Love that. That's gonna be my new ringtone. I might Omaha! even. I might even have him put the Omaha on the back of it. Here we go, Omaha. Here we go. Omaha. Here we go. No, nah, I think. I think I'll just do the. Here we go. Just that. That's I, gonna be my new ringtone. Why do you like it? I think it's cool as hell. Hoodie. It's the worst. It's the most annoying cadence. Like, when I watch Cowboys games, I almost have to mute them. Oh, I love it. I can't stand it. Check, check, check. Here we go. Damn. The best. All right, check. So, somehow he keeps that same cadence when they're losing, too. It doesn't leave. It's the same way. You know what it is for me, Shay? It is a trigger to look up at the screen. You know how we go, we're so immersed in our phone, and there's so little action in the NFL? It actually is between plays. When I hear a here we go at Omaha, okay, here we go. I got it. All right, let me Snap see. Two. Here we go. Pay All attention. Right. That's kind of what it is. It just kind of steps me back into watching the screen. It doesn't bother me. I just know it's it's time to watch more football. But you prefer Omaha! over. Here we go. I prefer anything over Here We Go. It's terrible. <laughs> I like Here We Go. How do you think go? Cowboys fans felt listening to Here We Go when they were down 28 nothing in the wild card game to the Packers? You know, I was thinking the same thing, right? But he does it with the same flourish, the same fervor, though. Down 28, here we go! It's That's insane. not fun. But we're not That's, going. Right. That's if, I, if I'm a Cowboys fan, yeah, here we go. Going to get your ass up out of here, pal. Like, go, goodbye. When he takes, ah, here we go. When he takes his girlfriend to dinner, he like, come to the door, pick her. Here we go. <laughs> you She'd dump him on the spot. No, she would not. <laughs> Here's Shay Norling. Shay. All right, Mel Kuyper's mock draft 1.0 has the Chicago Bears selecting Caleb Williams, number one overall, and then selecting Washington wide receiver Roma Dunze with the ninth pick. I know people are more familiar with the Dunze after the national championship. Uh, according to Brock Heward, one executive compared him to Devontae Adams. He had a stellar season for Washington, nearly 100 catches, 1,700 yards to go with 13 touchdowns. Shot or no shot? The Caleb-Adunze combo could be the best quarterback-wide receiver combination in the NFC North. That's a shot. So it would be DJ Moore, Roma Dunze with Caleb. Yeah, but he's telling you specifically to the draft, Caleb and Adunze, best combination in the NFC North. Uh, Before I commit, I don't. I don't go ready, shoot. Love and Christian Watson. Aim. Goff and Amon-Ra. Whoever is with Justin Jefferson, if Justin Jefferson remains in Minnesota. A little bit of a question mark Yeah, let me just think. I don't ever just react. I think things through first. Who are you talking to there? (laughs) Everybody. You're not talking to Not the audience, right? Is your mic off? 
You know he's speaking out loud. Yes. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Jefferson Cousins. That's pretty awfully good, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dunze Caleb. I mean, yeah, Dunze Caleb. Uh, I'm going to say if Kirk Cousins is back there, ah, hell, I'm a Bears fan. Yeah, shot. You know why? close. You know, I said shot is because of the of what um, how Shay phrased the question. He said could. Yeah, could be. I mean, yes, I, and that, that's an absolute shot. Yeah, could be the worst. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to say shot because of the way the question was phrased. I mean, he they don't get top billing. We don't go here. We go. No, not yet. Because Justin Jefferson and a healthy Kirk Cousins, pretty dynamic. Amon Ron Goff, pretty dynamic. Green Bay doesn't have a receiver as dynamic. If they had Devontae Adams still there with Jordan Love, different sure. story. Sure. So it's a shot, but Justin Jefferson is proven, and Kirk Cousins has had six 4,000-yard seasons. You take the veterans first because they're proven talent. Correct. They've the, done it at the highest level. Sure. You see, the, the empirical evidence is the stats that you see, the amount of touchdowns they have, the production they put together. Well, he said could. That's a shot. Shot. Absolutely, because that's the top shelf of the, of the draft, the way I see it. There you at the, go. Especially at the wide receiver spot. Uh, if you can't get Marvin Harrison. <laughs> can't get Marvin Harrison. The Doomsday is a, a nice second choice. Yes. All right, Shay. All right, Albert Breer made some Bears news yesterday after his appearance with us, uh, publishing details into the Bears' interview process between Matt Eberflus and new offensive coordinator Shane Waldron. Breer made it clear the biggest attraction for Waldron would be the opportunity to coach Caleb Williams, but Breer said his understanding was that Eberflus took the opportunity to defend Justin Fields in those interviews. Shot or no shot, the Bears are still considering keeping Justin Fields. That's a shot. That's a shot. It's it's in the it's in the conversation. I'm sure on a daily basis. It's January twenty fourth, twenty twenty four. The draft is three months away. Yes, he is still considering it until he does all his homework. He hasn't even used his one of his thirty visits. You get the thirty visits for the prospects. He hasn't done any of that and had him at the facility and on the whiteboard and testing all his medical. They haven't done any of that. So yes, today. He's still considering it. Yeah. Three months from now, I don't think he will be. Yeah, the, the decision to me is not cut and dry. Mm-hmm. You might hear at House Hall, yeah, we're definitely going to try to find suitors for Justin, and we're going to go with Caleb Williams. That might be the plan right now, but they've got to be able to continue to do their due diligence on Caleb Williams also, or Drake May also, mm-hmm. to find out what's better and what's best for the team. I'll ask this as an aside Shay, regarding our interview with Albert Breer, we do this every Tuesday at 8.35. His report that he had yesterday, I wondered did that have something to do with my question to him when I asked him about Shane Waldron and I asked uh, what assurances did Shane Waldron have to know who he's working with? Do you recall that question? Mm-hmm. I asked him, I was like, yeah. if, you're, if you're in that position and you're on the precipice of getting the job, do they tip their hand, the Bears, to say, by the way, you'll be working with Tyson Bajent as a backup, and we're going to go for Caleb Williams. That's why I was wondering. Right. Like, uh, how's that process work? Of course you walk in there to the room and said, give me anybody. I, I can work with any offense. Don't worry. Just give me the quarter. But I think that you want to know whether or not it's Justin Herbert or Easton Stick. You'd want to know the difference, right? <laughs> I mean, you want to know if, uh, if you're working with a front-line guy that's had some trouble here and there or rookie. 
Yeah, I believe that they don't tip their hand to the degree. We're taking that guy. You're going to be part of the decision-making process here. We know we have a Justin. Mm-hmm. We're going to evaluate everybody. We love Caleb Williams, but let's do this together. And, yeah, if he checks out, we're probably going to take the kid. You're number one. It's not like you're trying to bluff anybody. Shay, on a, on a, uh, a cold February day, we should probably should go to our all-NFL all team names. Easton Stick's got to be right there in the team photo, isn't it? Right? I mean, the backup. Yeah, the of course. That's a hell of a name. It's incredible. <laughs> it's literally a hockey stick or a baseball bat, depending Easton on how you want to go with it. <laughs> Such a weird name. It's amazing. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah, it's just, just odd. We had to do our all uh, NFL name. There's plenty of them for sure. We, after a point, it becomes a key, and, uh, a key and peel bit at some point with some of these crazy names we see. All right, my friend. All right, a report from Bruce Levine suggested that Sox-designated hitter and occasional outfielder Aloy Jimenez was drawing very little interest in the trade market. (laughs) But, hey, maybe this will drum some interest up, Hoodie. Aloy was asked by A.J. Pruszynski if he will hit 40 home runs this season. We're going to be. We're going to be. Last year it was a terrible season. Uh, But we're going to come at it, Uh, you know. uh, We asked some couple guys, and... um, this group is good. We just uh, had to figure out what's going on, and then we're going to move forward. You're going to hit 40 for me this year? If I'm healthy, more than that. More than that. Hell more yeah. than that. Hold on. Shot or no shot? Under. <laughs> That's all he has for you. Stop cold. <laughs> he never gave you over. He just said under. So, <laughs> well, that's pretty good. Uh, uh, yes, that's a shot under. Yeah, I bet him to be the home run king last year, and he got hurt right away. Well, if he's healthy, yeah, I think he's a forty-five home run guy next year. That's a no shot. If he's healthy, you know how old a guy is Aloy? I don't know, twenty-seven. I'll take a could look. You, could you imagine Cap saying on the record, you know, if I'm healthy? I can get more than 40 home runs. Who talks about that? Aloy is 27. Cap. He will turn 28 March 12th. Who talks about that as a young person? Now, older gentlemen like you and I are always uh, wary of injury. Speak but for I mean, yourself. Not old. Older gentlemen. Are you older than Aloy? I'm older than Aloy. Okay. That, an older gentleman. Damn. Um, my, my point is, Cap, is that who talks about that but openly? He, well, because he hasn't been healthy. I understand, but I just like... Every year he's had a, a malady of some type. Oh, a malady, did you say? Yeah. <laughs> okay. He got smallpox once. <laughs> malaria? Yeah. You recall the malaria, right? A diphtheria here. Yeah. I mean, the bubonic plague came up that one season. You remember really offset him? Yes. God, he's uh, 27 and he's just a DH. That's just a shame. That's all he is. Not even a first baseman. Just a DH at this age. That's it. That's a no shot. He's not even going to get close to that because himself putting the the jinx on himself. You know, if I if I can stay healthy, dude. Like uh, every time you look around, he is hopscotch in the first base because he's got an injury, a leg, a, a knee. Come on, man. I got your back, Aloy. I'm with you. I'm going to go over forty. Okay, forty or more. Okay, that's insane. That's insane. It's nice for you to say here in the home of the White Sox, ESPN 1000, but he's not getting there. He's just not that player, Cap. Would you like to have him back, by the way? Would you like to have him with the Cubs? Uh, I'd make him my DH. You need a third baseman. 
Here's Shane. Oh, my Shay. God. <laughs> Yesterday, the Milwaukee Bucks fired head wow. coach Adrian Griffin 43 games into his rookie head coaching season, despite a 30 and 13 record, good for the second best in the NBA. Get out. Shot or no shot. This is one of the most surprising firings you've ever seen. Uh, that is a shot. Most surprising since David Blatt fired in the championship year with the Cavs. Feels like the same thing, no? Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, Joe Prunty at this point in time is the interim coach. I know, Cap, you're going to say that there's just no way. Joe Prunty, longtime NBA assistant. I've actually done radio shows with Joe Prunty. Good on, guy? On, yeah, very good guy on SiriusXM. So I've done shows with Joe. Right now is the interim. But I found there's a lot of things that was interesting about uh, last night. First of all, Hawk, Adrian Griffin, fired this early in the season is because there's a disconnect between Hawk and Giannis Antetokounmpo. It starts before the season. It was something that was completely underreported. Why is it that Terry Stotts was, uh, decided to walk away from the Bucks before the season? Why would that happen? Because there was a problem with the install of the, uh, of the offense that Terry Stotts was putting in. Terry Stotts was pretty much there because Damian Lillard was there. You would think there. I mean, you, he coached Lillard all those years. It works, right? Even Terry Stotts walked away before the season started. No one talked enough about it, but it was very odd. It wasn't because of illness. Terry just walked away from me because I can't, I can't work here. So then from there, there's been so many other issues here with this, this Bucks team. Like, they're just not very good defensively. They're in the bottom 10 in defense. That's also a problem, too. Those Pistons games that the Bucks just recently won, you know, they were behind big in the fourth quarter, I think, in one of those games. And then they rallied back to win the game. Internally, I was told yesterday that Hawk and Giannis did not get along. And here's something else that will surprise you about this story. There was a game already in the regular season. Oh, I know what it was. It was when the Bucks got bounced out of the in-season tournament. Bobby Portis just went nuts in the locker room about coaching. Of all people, he didn't say anything. Bobby Portis stood up and said, I'm tired of this. Our offense isn't where it's supposed to be. The coaches are responsible for this. This is ridiculous. Bobby Portis is one of the guys, and I don't know how that leaked so quickly because the first time I saw it was from um, uh, Chris Haynes from Bleacher Report. Mm -hmm. He put it out there like Bobby Portis is pissed about the way the, the ball club is put together and the defense and all that. And that was one, one of the reasons why that Griffin is not in a job right now. So there was just a disconnect. It was, I mean, it's early. They're 30 and 13. I get it. But there's so much, so many issues internally, Cap, that I was told with the Bucks that they just couldn't get over the hump. They couldn't, wow. they couldn't move forward. Now it sounds like Doc Rivers will be rolling in. Now, here, now here's the parallel of Savard and Quinville in that regard. It, it wasn't until I read Shams Sharania's piece that Doc was a consultant with the Bucks quietly. He was the Quenville. Wait a minute now. Aren't you doing stuff for ESPN? I thought you were away from the game. Quietly a consultant with the, with the Bucks, and he's going to get that job. Also what was weird about this, Shea, for the first time, and Cap knows this, since, uh, was it uh, uh, Dan Patrick and, uh, was it Fran Charles? No, who was the guy that was doing CNN Sports? You remember CNN oh, Sports? Oh, Nick Charles. Nick Charles. 
CNN Sports is reporting that Doc Rivers is going to be the next head coach. Yeah, who does sports there anymore? <laughs> we haven't heard a news. They used to have Fred Hickman and yeah, Nick Charles. And, Nick and Charles. Then, remember Vanner O'Right? Yeah. Los Angeles. Yes. We haven't heard news out of that place since 89. Right. And I saw this on the halftime show on uh, TNT last night. Hold on. We're getting this word. CNN Sports is reporting. You're who? CNN Sports. They don't even have a sports department. Not Woj, not Shams. CNN Sports is reporting that Doc's going to keep the job. So if you're looking for where the knife is, Shay, look at the ESPN lead booth. Doc Rivers, a consultant with the Bucks, and all of a sudden, Doc more than likely will be in that job. It's a lot that's going on there. Because I know, Shay, it's a surprise, right? I mean, we're not even at the all-star breaking. You're firing a coach. That's how difficult it was internally, I was told. Wow. How much of this is on Giannis? Giannis handpicked the coach. Now he's playing a part in getting him out of there. Every great player does it. He's become, I'll tell you. Somewhere Mike Budenholzer is looking at his championship ring laughing. Giannis has swung from one of the more likable budding stars in sports to one of the least likable guys. It's been a lot of stuff like this lately. Every, Every coach, every player does it. Cap. We can lay it out from Magic Johnson to Michael Jordan. They all, uh, to Charles Barkley, they all get a coach fired. Remember Kevin Durant and Kyrie took Steve Nash in Brooklyn, and then Kevin Durant put the knife that ended his job in Brooklyn. Right. So it happens all the time in this, in this league. You know, it's a player's league, and I don't, this team cannot defend. And it's a talented team. Bottom 10 in the league defensively? That makes no sense. But the Pistons, but I was told that before those Pistons games, that there was an opportunity for Griff to be fired, that they were thinking about it at that time. But then the way they played, though, Shay, go back and look at those scores. Yeah, they won those games, but how, how they played against a terrible Pistons team, they just stopped trying. And it's early they stopped trying. They're too talented for that. So a good man was fired yesterday. That's yeah, too bad. So uh, let's go around the NFL. Nick Foles sucks. He sucks. I'm just a fan. I'm not a football evaluator. I love the Green Bay Packers. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. I want winners. He starts to come and then he pulls out. This is a really thickly built guy. I mean, what's the answer you're looking for on these things here? Time to go around the NFL right here on Cap and Jay Hood on ESPN 1000. Don't forget it's a Waddle Wednesday. We'll hear from Tommy coming up at 8.35. Around the NFL, here's Shane Orling. Shane? Yeah, it's Wednesday, which means it's another day to revisit my playoff power rankings. Oh, fresh yellow pad. Hang on. Let me get it ready here because that's going to be fun. I don't have to use the whole sheet this time, Shane, because it's only four teams left. It'll be quick. Okay. I ranked both the teams and the quarterbacks for you, Hoodie. I came oh, ready okay. to go. I love this. Uh, I have to revisit the tiers again from the start of the playoffs because I have to apologize to Kansas City. I had Kansas City sitting in the dead team's walk-in tier where I thought you will not advance past the divisional round. Well, having Patrick Mahomes just the greatest cheat code ever. They are the new New England Patriots to me. Like, this is... Tom Brady with Rache Caldwell and Ben Watson getting to an AFC title game. You've got Rasheed Rice rookie, Justin Watson, who who knows, MVS and Mecole Hardman. 
and then Travis yeah. Kelsey drops galore all season and until the game in Buffalo, you're in the AFC title game. It's unbelievable what they've been able to do. Yes. All right. So let's go to your list. What, what do we go with first? Uh, we will start with four. Okay. This is going to be controversial. Their fourth best team right now. Number four, the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. Wow. How about that? How about that? So why why 49ers four? If Debo Samuel plays this weekend, he's going to be extremely limited. I didn't like that Kyle Shanahan came out and said it's a 50-50 shot. He plays it all. When he doesn't play, Brock Purdy is bad. And when Debo doesn't play this season, 0-3. It is the worst timing for the worst injury that they could have. To me... They're sneaky, not good against the run. 26th in EPA this season against the run. And you're going to go up against one of the best rushing attacks and one of the best offensive lines in football in the Detroit Lions. It just it feels like a very bad time to get that injury. Well, I can see where Shea is looking at. Last week, Cap, there was magic. 12 plays, 69 yards. They found a way to win a football game because the system and Purdy works. Can they pull the trick twice? Against the Lions, now that, that and that, by the way, that does not a lean from Shea. That's an analysis on San Francisco. That's not a lean on the game. Correct. But I guess without Samuel, can San Francisco do it twice? That's the question. It's a great question. I like that you have them number four because I am on the Lions this week. Yeah, I'm hoping my grit hat shows up mm-hmm. that I ordered. Oh God. Yeah, you're gonna wear that in here. I'm gonna wear that all the time because I. Grit is probably my next tattoo because that's what my wife teaches that class. There's a book called Grit that businesses use to evaluate employees. Dan Campbell is all about that. Grit. That is great timing because uh, the tattoo that Jay Moore is going to get is going to be Grits with an S. Wow. (laughs) Here's Shay Norling with number three. Here we go. (laughs) Number three is the Detroit Lions. Okay. I'm wildly impressed with how they've been able to finish these games. Mm-hmm. The end against the Rams, that's a game that the Lions historically lose 100 times out of 100. They held on. They survived. Ben don't break defense. Red zone stops. It's been how they've lived. The offensive side, Jared Goff's not turning the ball over, not for lack of trying. The first try into the end zone should have been picked. Mm-hmm. Oh, Carlton Davis dropped it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's not been turning the ball over. The fumbles have gone away. The offensive line, except for Jonah Jackson right now, is mostly healthy. Frank Rag now a little banged up, but he'll go. I think this offense can move. The running game works. The coaching works. They seem to have juice in that locker room. They believe it's them against the world, and it's working for them. I Honestly, Hoodie, I think they go to San Francisco and win. Number two, Shea. The number two team is the Kansas City Chiefs. Hmm. What impressed you about Kansas City that Kansas City is two and Lions are three, not Uh, vice versa? uh, Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. I thought the game plan that Andy Reid put together against Buffalo was fantastic. I think it's two weeks in a row where you've seen Kansas City play against a team. Andy said the game plan was put together by Matt Nagy. Give him his flowers. I think the game plan that Andy Reid put together was fantastic. I think it's two weeks in a row that you're playing a team. Look. You get a little lucky sometimes. Miami, all of their linebackers were dead. Buffalo, all of their linebackers were dead. Vaughn Miller got into this game. Vaughn Miller doesn't play at all. 
you just you got to get a little lucky to win championships. Patrick Mahomes has been outstanding. He was outstanding in the game. Their ability to run the ball through Pacheco is a new wrinkle, and he feels like he's seven yards a pop right now. It's nuts. Purdy's unbelievable. So then, number one, the Baltimore Ravens, and where they've been basically all year at this point. I was going to say, how many weeks in a row now? Maybe 11? I think we're up to 11 or 12. Yeah. Baltimore Ravens, number one. Do you have any issue? You're my uh, accountability partner, Cap. Tell me what you like about these ratings. As Cranty would say to Solomon. I actually agree with his ratings. I'm hoping that the Chiefs can roll in and beat the Ravens. Yeah, that would be sweet. I would love to see it. And I'm on the Lions to beat the 49ers outright. I'm t- I got it played at plus seven and a half. But I think they're going to be a money line getting my feet wet there because I think they can win this game. I do. It's one of those situations where I respect the Kansas City Chiefs, but I love Patrick Mahomes. But Baltimore, being at one, if they win the Super Bowl, obviously they'll get their flowers. But I will give them a lot of credit because over our shoulders every morning, how many Raven stories are doing, Cap? Zippo. Correct. I was just going to say that. Nothing. One of the oddest stories about this season, this Ravens team, if they win the Super Bowl, this is not hyperbole. They will go down as a historic team. The defense, number one in football. It's been unbelievable. All that history, all the numbers, but there's no controversy. What does that mean? They put the the camera in the locker room to see Harbaugh and the coaches dance. That's all you got. And and by the way, Shay, I appreciate that because they're just going about their business winning football games. No controversy, no bottom line, no flowers for Lamar Jackson. It's BS the way they do that. I'm talking about Fox or ESPN. But here's a team here that Shay's had number one for at least 11 weeks. No controversy, right. just just winning ball. But games. they're not going to be on any list of all-time teams. But they are. If they win it, they'll be the best team this year. Uh, Cap, they might. They've, no, they've led games for more minutes than any team in NFL history. Whatever, they're historic Their this year. Their point differential north at two hundred. They, Whatever, they're not going to be on the list of the top ten teams of all time. They might, if okay. they pull this off and win, they might. We'll agree to disagree. They are unbelievable. Same part as the two thousand Ravens, and they're just that was a better team. Probably, but it'll be. I honestly think it's closer to that team than you think. They are smashing teams. You think about the way they went into San Francisco as five and a half point dogs and lit them up. And then they play Miami at home a week later in a potential letdown spot as three point favorites. All they do is win 56 to 17. And then they get Houston. You were on Houston and they. Blow them off the field in the second half, thirty-four to ten, whatever the final was. They are obliterating good teams in a way. They're really good. But they're really not. They're seen. not a top five or ten team all time. Stop. They're not. I don't know, man. They, if they pull it off and win, they might end up close to that. You agree with that, Cap? No, I no, do not. Not at all. Well, they're the number one this year. Yeah, yeah. I'll give Shea all his flowers. He's been on them for a long time. All right, we got to seal the deal now. We have another list, right, Shay? Yeah, the quarterback power rankings as well. All right. Number of four. What, the final four? Yeah. No okay. surprises here. Number four is going to be Brock Purdy. Okay. Number three? Number three is going to be Jared Goff. So far, we're in the same as team order. Yep. Uh, that's just Brock Purdy, uh, frankly, was not good until the final, like, 
eight plays against the Packers. Jared Goff was fantastic in both games. Uh, Lamar Jackson's number two by the narrowest of margins. Patrick Mahomes is number one because, hey, he's Patrick Mahomes. How, How can anybody argue with what he's doing right now? Won a playoff game in a big spot on the road. It's kind of one of those um, V8 moments, right? Yes. You put your hand, your palm against your forehead and say, why didn't I go with Patrick Mahomes? Because we didn't know if he could be able to pass that test of being able to win on the road, and he did, and the Chiefs did against the Ravens. You heard Patrick Mahomes in that locker room. You guys asked for it. You got it. All he needed was a take that at the end of it. Oh, is that what he, all he needed? Was that? Yes. Uh, so, so hey, think about it. Patrick Mahomes, he was happy because he beat the Bills. Hey, real quick, real quick, real quick. Hey, they asked for it. Yeah. And they got what they asked for. Uh, hey, but he said it. This ain't done. No. Uh, we come back next uh, week ready to go. And turn it up a notch. Chiefs on three. One, two, three. One, two, three, Chiefs. Love it. I feel good about our team. We're going to be good. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And he's number one on the Shy Norling uh, list. Number one. And I loved Andy Reid just triggering everyone in Chicago. Uh, shout out to Matt Nagy. He put an amazing game plan together. Take that. Tommy, are you ready? Got Tommy Waddle coming up. He's drinking his prune juice, right? What, what, what? Excuse me? You're the oldest guy at the station. <laughs> yeah, I don't look it. <laughs> Says who? Me. You got one of those circus mirrors in your house? Oh, nothing like a good circus mirror. A little funhouse mirror, Tom. Wow. You, you remember those, right? Yeah, hey. like I'm no spring chicken, but coming out firing about that. Hey, Tommy, what was, like, when you're, you were playing, the coolest thing your quarterback would say before the snap? Did you have anything cool like a, here we go! I uh, love no. that. Hold on tight, maybe? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Get your ass killed out there. I'm going to throw this really high. Make sure you catch it and, and, and cover up. Yeah, exactly. Blue no, 80, I wouldn't say that about you. Blue 80, uh, buckle up. <laughs> oh. Something like that, right? Omaha! Something like that. There we'll talk to go. Tommy Waddle. With B- Waddle by the way, one bit of breaking and news. And that is coming up next. Go, it, better, uh, it better be good for yeah. you to interrupt this tease. The Green Bay Packers have fired Joe Barry. Out. Finally, it happens. Gone. Just happened. Take that. Was that worthy, Tom? <laughs> I'm not laughing at Joe Barry getting <laughs> let go. <laughs> Guy has a family, Tom. I said I'm not laughing at that. I was laughing at Jonathan's response I mean, to you. Yeah. Like Joe Barry's pro- or his job security is probably could have waited to the. the- yeah, no, it's got to happen now. Well. Gotta, it, gotta, gotta be first gotta, in this business. Gotta, gotta be first because that's where because we're in the news oh, yeah, business, right. Tom, as you well know. Exactly. We're, we're in the news gathering business. Of course. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Yep. Good job, Cat. Well, we're gonna see if we can get to Tom Waddle and uh, Waddle's <laughs> Wednesday. That's coming up <laughs> on the Cap and J Hood Morning Show. Here we go. Yeah. Good morning. Glad you're along for the Cap and J Hood Experience. We're here weekdays from seven to ten on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN. Hello, Chicago. Tom Waddle. Tom Waddle. Former wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. 
guy's amazing. 1989 All Madden team and afternoon co-host on ESPN Chicago. I think he's going to start at least eight games in the National Football League next year for a team that's going to give him a chance. It's Waddle Wednesday with Tom Waddle. Listen, I got a pedicure in an hour. When I get back here, the wheels better be spinning, all right? On Captain G. Hood, ESPN Chicago. It's the Captain Jay Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000, and we're streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Here's hoping that you're going to have a great Wednesday, a Waddle Wednesday on Captain Jay Hood, and Tommy's on the hotline. That be the Car X Tired Auto Hotline, Jonathan. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Make me feel good. Morning to you, Tommy. How are you? <laughs> Go ahead. Can you just call me at, like every morning at eight thirty? It just like at break and just just call me and leave me that message. It, it makes me laugh. I don't know. It's anything. the best, isn't I just, it? I want to know but, how you're doing. I mean, by the way, I, there, insert jokes here. I just sent Shay a, a, a video. Like three young bucks just walked across my lawn. Now, Jay Hood, do with that what you want. Of, of course, uh, Damian Lillard, Giannis, <laughs> and Giannis's brother, and Chris Middleton. <laughs> there you go. It's deer season, man. Yeah, and lots by, going on. Be careful if you're a deer; you could, might be fired as head coach. By the way, be careful. Wow, that, that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I guess not, because defensively they weren't really doing anything. But isn't that like the essence of like? Look, we live in an environment now that where the players have the power to kind of dictate policy, and when you're as good as like Giannis, I guess you know every now and again you're empowered to exercise that power. Yeah. Uh, well, we could talk to Craig about that later today. Maybe <laughs> yes. Craig Carmerson can help us out on that intel. So we want to ask you about the conversation that you and Sylvie had with Greg Olson. Yeah. Uh, and we played highlights of that interview last couple days. Uh, we asked, like, are the Bears willing to pass on a number one pick two years in a row? Were you surprised at, at Greg's analysis of, of what the Bears could do at one? No, I wasn't, Jonathan. I, I, I mean, I think that there – I think uh, – there's part of me that believes outside of the, the Chicago I, a bubble's probably too small because it's a huge city. But outside the city of Chicago, I think Cap and I we've talked about this on your show a couple of times. I think that the how the NFL universe views the Bears situation is significantly different than how we view it here because a lot of the emotion is is is, is extracted from the conversation. And I understood exactly what Greg was saying. I would say the one thing where, and I love Greg, and I and like he's my favorite analyst now in the NFL, and I think he's a very compelling conversation on a number of issues. Um, the one place where I would say I'm a little different than him is is I have to be convinced. It can't be tie goes to Justin for me. It's got or goes to the the number one overall pick to Caleb Williams or whoever that guy's going to be. For me, it's got to be. I am fully convinced that that guy is better than our guy. So I, I understand the concept of resetting the clock, and I do believe that there's financials attached to it that you have to look at. And, and, and so I'm not completely dismissing what he said. I'm just telling you that, that my, you, you know, my determining point would be definitively who is or who is going to be the better quarterback. And I think he was just making a point like, look, if all else fails and, and, and they're even – then you reset the clock. I mean, we should have asked. I should have asked him, you know, do you believe he's going to be better than Justin? But I don't know. You know, he's immersed in the NFL game. I'm sure he hasn't watched a lot of Caleb Williams' film. 
But no, Jonathan, I think that, you know, I think that there is, I think that's more of the, the non-coach, non-player feeling out there is that there is a business aspect of this and there are other things that are attached to this. The one thing that he did say that Sylvia and I and everything, everyone in the station has been saying, I think, for months is that if we had the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th pick, this wouldn't be a conversation. Mm -hmm. This is the conversation that it is because the Bears have the first overall pick again in a year where, you know, as we've been told, it's quarterback ridge. Tommy, well, looking at the ninth pick, because everybody's so scope-locked on number one, what do you think's the biggest need? I, I know that Brian Poles loves some of the receivers in this class and would love to have a either a Batman with DJ Moore as Robin or vice versa. What would you do there? Because you want an edge. There could be a good offensive lineman there like Joe Alt from uh, Notre Dame. What would you do? If you told me that, that I, I go in and I kind of lock it into the, por- the positions of, of need and the, the importance of the position. Like I have always felt quarterback was first most important position, obviously. Those that chase quarterbacks, second most important position. Those that protect quarterbacks are third for me. And then we can have the discussion about whether or not it's a, it's a cornerback or it's a wide receiver. So uh, I still, th- I, uh, look, I think Braxton Jones has been a solid player. It, for me, if you told me I could find someone that I could count on as my left tackle for the next 10 years and he's going to play at an above average level and be a Pro Bowl multiple times, I still believe that's a need. Another pass rusher outside of Montez Sweat, a three technique. I would look. I think that they have, and I'm not ignoring the wide receiver position. I'm just saying to you guys, over the course of time, we've found like Devontae Adams, who I I feel I don't know that I feel he's the best receiver in football now, but for a stretch there, he was the best route runner. He was the smoothest wide receiver. He was a second round pick. Stephon Diggs was what fifth round pick. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is, was a fourth-round pick. Puka uh, Nakua was a, a fifth-round pick. Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup was a third-round pick. I think you can find guys a little bit later. So I, I would look at somebody on either side of the line that could just maul some folks. I have another question for you. Shea made the statement That's that the Ra- Ravens, TVOA, <laughs> they're third best, and they're this. I so am over this analytical world. Yeah, it plays a role. I'm not naive that it isn't. But I'm so tired of, well, if he had a taco and it was a crunchy shell with no lettuce on a Tuesday after 7 o'clock, they're 9-0, and so play that. Stop. Why are you yelling? Because it drives me insane. That's the Jim Boylan uh, uh, analytics. See, over-reliance on analytics is what bothers me. Like, use your eyes. Like Theo said to me, we're not 50% analytics. We're more than over 50% our eyes and our scouting. We use analytics as a tool. That's fine. Where where are the Ravens for you is what I'm asking you. You know, Shane and I were having this conversation at the break. Where are they at? Um... I think they're the best team in the league now. I would have said San Francisco before they boat raced San Francisco, but now mm-hmm. it's it's the Ravens. In terms of all time, like, I mean, Shea was making a case to me off the air that, you know, this could be a top five team of all time. I don't think it's the top five. Would I, you, would top you, ten, I would be okay, more comfortable. Like, I'm if sorry, they pull this off and win, I think they will be in that rarefied I, I think you can make that conversation for sure. But to your point, Cap, about analytics, I've said this forever. I don't, and I was probably late to the analytics game, but I've always maintained the same status. For me, it's a tool in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. It's not the only tool in your tool, toolbox. Like, you have to understand in certain situations. I always got this conversation with people about Brandon Staley. 
you, you know, it, there's one thing to be aggressive. There's another thing to be reckless. Like what, the analytics, I think, are very important, and I think you process them. But you also have to understand the situation you find yourself in. If you're not a tush-push kind of team because you don't have the players and you can't run that play and you've got, you know, an issue on your left tackle and they've, you know, they, it's just, you know, short yardage matchups. Sometimes you, you, you have an edge over teams and sometimes you don't. I think you have to take everything into consideration. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't make my decisions just based on analytics. And the fourth or the, 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 the two-point conversion decision by uh, – but by Sean McVay, I didn't have a problem with it. My problem it wasn't Sean McVay. Who was it? It was, it was, uh, uh, it was Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Yeah, um, I didn't have a problem. With I thought the it decision. was dumb. Yeah, but I, I mean, but I understand the logic behind it, Cap. My problem was it. I don't like the play. It's a low percentage fade, and I, I love Mike Evans. But if you're going to run that play, go fade stop. You know, go back shoulder fade. I didn't like the play, but I understood why they did what they did, and. And I wouldn't have raged if they kicked the extra point. I wouldn't have raged, and I didn't rage based on, on what they did. I think time and place and circumstances and matchups, I think it all, it all matters. Um, but in that situation, I did. I mean, there's other situations where I, I don't feel the way that the majority of the people you know, that watch the game feel. But I do believe there's a place in sports for it, definitely a big place for it. I'm just not one that if, if it's up in the air and there's some gray area and there's subjectivity attached to it, I'm going to, I'm going to process the, the information before I decide to just go with what the numbers say. That, that two-point conversion did not bother me, but I'm jumping into that corner's arms like a long-lost relative yes. at the airport. Yes, right? exactly. I mean, I mean the, the idea that you, you, know, you throw it in the corner's back and then you're not really reaching out yeah. for it, that was yeah. my concern. Like I'm, I'm running him over. I'm doing whatever I can to say, hey, he interfered with me. Not a great sell job on that spot. Yeah, Jonathan, that was where I was outraged. And I also had the Bucks plus six and a half. So like it was a big play <laughs> for me. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you. But that was the play call and how it was. Like, yeah, Mike, Mike Evans is one of the best receivers this league has seen in the last 10 or 12 years. You stop. You're a big body wide receiver. Make that cornerback go through you. That's just technique. Yeah, I'll say this as well. And I got. I said this yesterday. I said this the day that it happened. And I don't know if you guys have talked about it. Oh, I know that Shay did say it. Somebody told me that Shay was raging against it. Shay's the guy that said to all of us that Matt Eberflus is. Weren't you Shay that is saving? Did somebody needs to tell Eberflus that timeouts don't carry over to the next week? Uh, yeah, so. Abdallah also said it, but I've yeah, said that. Yeah, I think Todd Bowles needs to be informed of that as well. He's Be- waiting for week one next year. Oh, He's going to okay. use that timeout. Because hey, listen, this is their cell phone minutes from the 90s. Look, was it going to be an enormous hurdle to get over considering the situation? They could have stopped the clock if, in fact, they did kneel on it again or they tried to kick the field goal. There was going to be 30, 28, 30 seconds left in that game. And it ain't over till it's over, and that was win or go home. So that was a really odd. Screw your analytics. That's just, you know, common sense football right there. Tommy, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure, fellas. See you at the office there, big guy. All right. right. Tom Walla with us on a Walla Wednesday on the hotline. That'd be the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline, Jonathan. All right. So coming up, (laughs) how much does it cost? For you to move your snow. My God. Wait till you hear this story about snow removal. That's next. Lute Canellis, by the way, walking right by. out in the window here. Fox 32, Lute Canellis. Can't believe he's walking without his bodyguard. Or this early. You make that kind of money, you have a bodyguard. Lou must be just leaving the club. Yes. <laughs> Captain J. Hood, weekday morning, 7 to 10. 
Jay Hood are back. We are back, baby. We are back. We are back. Classic. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. It's the Cap'n Jay Hood Morning Show on ESPN 1000, and we are streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Still to come, we'll get your phone calls in, 312-332-3776. Cap, there's a story out of Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, that the people in Vancouver are saying, hey, please stay off the roads while the crews do their snow clearing. Mm -hmm. The city of Vancouver requires residents to get the job done by 10 a.m. as far as their residents. They want to make sure that that snow is off of your porch, off of the front of your home by 10 a.m. If you do not remove the snow from the front of your business or your residence, you can get fined up to $750. Wow. They're not messing around. I want you to think about that, right? Okay, you have a snow. Now, some people do it this way. All right, I went for all the snow to come down. As it, as it stopped, okay, now I'll get the snow blower and get it up. Mm-hmm. Or there are some that say, okay, well, we're going to get a lot of heavy stuff here. Let me start the process. Start getting the, the, the snow off of my porch that way when amazon comes up the mailman relatives whatever that they have a clear path no if you don't get your snow out of there by 10 a.m they'll find you 750 dollars. that's something man could imagine if that happened here city would have, would have to worry about being broke oh man yeah, good luck neglecting <laughs> i suppose so right <laughs> 750 bucks but if that's they a put, ton. put a little lean on your tax refund people be like oh whoa 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 I, mean, I need that money. Yes. Damn. Get out and get your snow cleaned up. I like that. Also, um, I, this one thing I don't know. Have you watched Seinfeld before? Yo, a billion times. You have? Yes. Because I know you're not a TV guy, per se. No, but that was back in the day, long time ago. I see. Last 20 years, I have not been a TV guy. Okay, but you have seen Seinfeld. Yes. You, you got to explain me th- this whole thing, because you know me, I have not... I was not watching Seinfeld back in the day. I was watching Martin, so I don't know. I don't know about some of these references from mm-hmm. Seinfeld, unless mm-hmm. it was a Cub rain delay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you ran into it. The research about the double dipping the chip. Are you familiar with that double dipping the chip thing? Uh, hold on. So this goes back to Costanza right there at a gathering. Double yep. dipping the chip. What are you doing? <laughs> what? Did Did you just double dip that chip? Excuse me? You double dipped the chip. Double dipped? What, what, what are you talking about? You dipped the chip, you took a bite, and you dipped again. <laughs> so? That's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip. <laughs> From now on, when you take a chip, just take one dip and end it. Well, I'm sorry, Timmy, but I don't dip that way. Oh, you don't, huh? No. You dip the way you want to dip. I'll dip the way I want to dip. Give me the chip. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's a fight over that, over that whole thing, right? Yeah, I remember that episode. Clemson University says that if you involve wheat thins when you're trying to double dip the chip, say you're trying to do that, it becomes a Petri dish. They say, actually... The most uh, bacteria when double dipping the chip comes from salsa. Chocolate is second. Cheese is third. So if you double dip the chip, obviously that's nasty, right? Because you're spreading bacteria from the mouth to the bowl in a Petri dish, right? Correct. They're saying that that there's way more bacteria samples from salsa than it is chocolate or cheese. 
I wonder why it would be salsa. Don't know. May I know why? Why? Because that? the salsa is usually more liquidy mm-hmm. than a piece of cheese or some, you know, um, what was the other one? Chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate, if it's melted, is a little is liquidy, but the salsa just drips off your fingers, or yeah. if you double dip, like you took a bite of it and you dipped it back, like all oh, your germs are in there. <laughs> yeah, that's so like, disgusting, I mean, right? Yeah. Let me paint a scenario for you. Okay. Like, there's a vegetable tray yeah. at a party. Yeah. I will not touch the vegetable tray if people go up there with their hands and just start taking things off of there because... You ever go to the bathroom and see how many guys don't wash their hands? Oh, plenty. Yeah. It's disgusting. the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Yes. And oh, now you oh want... God. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Mm. Now you want me to have you with your grimy, dirty fingers touch three carrots as you grab the one for your plate or your celery or your whatever. And then you're going to dip said celery stick into the whatever, the salsa. Yeah. Take a bite and dip it back in. Are you out of your mind? No. No. So the question is, do you ever double dip the chip? That's the question. You saw Costanza do that in Seinfeld. But they say salsa is number one, chocolate cheese, and and cheese is third Mm -hmm. as far as the amount of uh, bacteria that you could spread. Yeah. Do you do that? Have you seen someone do that? And what was your response? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. That and more coming up in two minutes on Cap and J-Hood.